Well, it was perhaps the ugliest game in kennel history, at least in the past five years, but the Zags escaped with a 64-55 win over Tarleton State on Monday evening. Andy Patton here to break this all down and discuss what Caden Perry's injury could mean for this team going forward, all right here on Locked On Zags. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. Thank you all for making this show your first listen of the day. Some of you have been with me from the beginning. Some of you are much newer to the show. Either way, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast, to check us out on YouTube. If you have not already, go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit that subscribe button. Was trying to get to 200 before Duke. We didn't quite make it, but I'm really thinking we can get to 200, maybe even 250 subscribers before the battle in Seattle for the Zags against Alabama on Saturday evening. So please, please, please go search Locked On Zags. Hit that subscribe button for me. Let's get into this game, though. It was, oh boy, it was a rough one. For those of you who had the misfortune of watching all 40 minutes of this basketball game, let me tell you that it was a forgettable one for the Zags. Just one of those games where they didn't didn't show up. You know, they played three games last week. Perhaps that had something to do with it. That's a really tough stretch of games. Tarleton State is also the kind of team that gives you a lot of trouble. That's why if you look at their schedule, they've they've played some really close games. They lost, I think they lost to Michigan by only eleven. They've they played they played Stanford really tight as well. They played Kansas well. Like this is this is a, a decent team that has a strategy. They're coached by Billy Gillespie, who's been around college basketball for a really long time. And you could kind of see that they had a they had a strategy and they executed it fairly well. Normally in these first segments, I go over the good and the bad. I like to start with the good because I'm a pretty positive person, but it is, it's impossible to start with the good about this game. We're going to end on a, on a happier note before we get into the second segment. The bad for this game, pretty simple. The two main issues that we saw against Duke, the two things that we discussed a lot on Mailbag Monday is, are these going to be concerns for this team long-term? Looked like significant issues against Tarleton State. Turnovers and outside shooting. The turnovers was disastrous. They had 13, or excuse me, 16 turnovers. They averaged, I think, 13 on the season, which is already not good. This is not a team that should be turning the ball over that much. To turn the ball over 16 times against a team, you know, Tarleton State has a good defense. Their strategy is to force turnovers. It worked, and a lot of them were because of Tarleton State's defense. Credit to Billy Gillespie and his staff and the players on the court for, for executing well on that strategy. But a lot of them were just lazy. And that's what is so frustrating to me. This team has no business committing lazy turnovers. We saw disastrous entry passes. We saw pass, just regular passes that were poor. We saw guys trying to dribble before they had the basketball in their hands. There was a play late in the second half or middle of the second half where Andrew Nemhard caught an inbounds pass, turned to start going up the court and forgot to bring the ball with him. That one didn't even result in a turnover. He ended up picking the ball back up. But it's that kind of stuff where they're just so, they're playing out in front. They're rushed. They're getting, they're, they're not, calming down. They're not letting the game come to them and they're just getting too pressed and committing stupid turnovers. And it was very consistent. I believe Gonzaga's first seven current turnovers were committed by six different players. This is not fall on 
one specific player. It doesn't fall on a specific position group. It's not like, oh, the guards are turning the ball over. No, it's everybody. Everybody is committing turnovers on this team, and it needs to stop. If this does not get corrected, they played really well against Duke and lost by three. If they turn the ball over consistently, they're going to lose to teams like Alabama and Texas Tech and BYU. And hell, there are other teams on this schedule, San Francisco comes to mind, that if Gonzaga is sloppy with the basketball, they will have a hard time beating them. This is not an issue that I foresee going away. They are going to need to find ways to fix this because while some credit does go to Tarleton State's defense, this is not a game where Gonzaga should be turning the ball over nearly 20 times. Beyond that, the outside shooting, it was a topic all offseason. It's been a topic for multiple years. Last year, obviously, Corey Kispert and Joel Iyayi helped kind of mitigate the concerns about the outside shooting, but it has been an issue. I'm here to tell you right now, this is a bad three-point shooting team. They are not an inconsistent three-point shooting team. They are not a streaky three-point shooting team, although bad and streaky sometimes are similar. This is a bad three-point shooting team that sometimes has good days shooting the three. That is the reality of the situation. I know there are some people who saw them put together a couple of really nice three-point shooting games and thought, no, this is actually a good three-point shooting team. No, they're bad. When they shoot well, it is an anomaly. It is a rarity. It is a bad team shooting well. I know that sounds negative. I know that may seem emotional, like a reaction to this game. This is a bad three-point shooting team. There is no other way to look at it. They do not have a consistent, reliable knockdown outside shooter. The closest that they have comes in Julian Strother, who is 0 for 4 today, and Rasir Bolton, who is 1 for 5 today. Now, Bolton had a great game. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But those two guys are not reliable, consistent, everyday three-point shooters. You can have consistent, good three-point shooters who have bad days. Corey Kispert was a good three-point shooter. He may have been a great three-point shooter. He had bad three-point shooting days, notably in the NCAA tournament last year where he didn't shoot the ball well. I don't think he's a streaky three-point shooter. He's a good three-point shooter. There is a difference. Julian Strother has the ability to eventually become a straight-up good three-point shooter, but right now he's still kind of in that streaky area. Bolton, throughout his career, has been a below-average three-point shooter. To start out this season, he has been good. I think there's a chance he finishes the season more good than bad. He ends up being pretty solid and reliable from that spot, but tonight he was not. And tonight, Julian Strother was 0 for 4. The only player who knocked down threes was Chet Holmgren, who has yet to cross the threshold of being a good three-point shooter as well. He's still in that inconsistent range. He went 2 for 3 today. The rest of the team, 2 for 16. That's 12.5% for those of you keeping track of home. 4 for 19 from 3 and 2 from 3 for Chet. Just just not a good three-point shooting team. Strother 0 for 4, Nembhard 0 for 4, Bolton 1 for 5. Just did not have it today. I thought, for me, what was very frustrating is seeing them continue to rely on shooting the outside shot. They should have tried to be more consistent in getting the ball down low. And they were struggling to do that. They were struggling to get the ball because of Tarleton State's physicality, because of the way their guards were pressuring them away from the basket, which is what we saw Duke do, which is what we saw Baylor do in the national championship game last year. Tarleton State did it here, and it worked again. This strategy continues to work against Gonzaga, and until they figure out a way to change it, whether it's inbound, making entry passes from a different spot on the court, whether it's getting the basketball to their big men farther away from the rim and trying something that way, I don't know what it is. But as of right now, they have not figured out a way because what they resort to is they start shooting. The team will give them shots. They will not let them make that entry pass. They will put pressure on them as soon as they cross half court. But if they're open for three, They're giving them that shot. And when Gonzaga shoots four for 19, this is the kind of result that you can expect. 
sticking with some of the not-so-good stuff, Anton Watson was flat-out bad in this game. I've been hyper, hyper. I, I praise him a lot. He's been one of the guys I've been kind of beefing up throughout the offseason into the season as well. I've talked about how much of an X-factor he is. So I have to be able to acknowledge when he doesn't get it done. And he was, he's been bad the last few games, but he was notably awful in this game. He had four fouls, less than 10 minutes. I believe I saw a tweet that he was committing a foul for every three and a half minutes that he was on the floor, which is just, it's just flat out not going to get it done. He missed his only shot attempt. He went 0 for 2 from the free throw line. He's been really rough. He looked fine defensively, probably was, you know, analytically pretty good on defense because he almost always is, but this was not a good performance from him. We'll talk about it more in the second segment when we address the Caden Perry situation and what's going on there, but Anton Watson needs to be better. He needs to be better than he has been the last few games. If this was just a one-off game like it was for a couple other guys who had rough nights, I don't think I'd be as concerned. But this has been a consistent problem for him for about a week now. He has not been good. He has been committing too many fouls. Some of them are ticky-tacky. Sure, I understand that, WCC refs and everything that, that comes along with that. But at the end of the day, he's getting called for a lot of fouls, and it's taking him out of basketball games and not allowing him to do what he's best at, what he's capable of doing. And that's a tough pill for this Gonzaga team to deal with. Couple more things. We got to rapid fire through the bad stuff before we get a little bit more positive. The Zags were 14 for 24 from the free throw line, which is below 60%. That cannot continue to happen. Again, there have been a couple of games in a row now where Gonzaga has not shot it well from the charity stripe. Drew Timmy took two shots, two field goals, I should say, in this game. He ended up finishing with 10 points because he made a lot of free throws, which was really nice to see. He was good at the free throw line. The rest of the team was very, very bad at the free throw line, but the Zags were unable to get the ball to Drew Timmy. That is not good. The same Drew Timmy who had 37 points against number five ranked Texas. The same Drew Timmy who absolutely went ham in the NCAA tournament last year. Multiple 25-plus point games against elite post players like Evan Mobley and Brady Manek at Oklahoma, Kristen Bishop at Creighton. Against those guys, Drew Timmy torched them. And in this game, he only gets two field goal attempts. That was not... He didn't have a great game. Part of it is on him, but part of it is on the guards being unable to figure out ways to get him the basketball. Mark Few and his staff need to go back to the drawing board, and they need to figure out how can we get Drew Timmy the basketball in positions to score because every single team that they play from here on out is going to watch this game. They're going to watch the Duke game. They're going to figure out that's what we need to do. Frankly, with no disrespect to Tarleton State whatsoever, if they can pull it off, a lot of other teams are going to be able to pull this off. And they're going to harass Gonzaga's guards. And if they don't change the way that they're doing stuff, they're going to run into some problems throughout the season. All right, let's <laughs> let's get into some good stuff. Chad Holmgren was fantastic in this game. He can take over games. He can lead this team when he needs to. He has yet to definitively prove that this season. He did tonight. He had 15 points, 9 rebounds, 4 blocks, 6 of 7 shooting. He only missed one shot. And this entire game, one of his three-point attempts. Other than that, he did not miss a single two-point shot. Again, 15-9, and nine, excellent game. A lot of blocks early in the game. He picked up a few towards the end of the game. And then he had a really nice stretch where he had a dunk. He had an and one. He had a three-pointer all within a, little, a nice little stretch towards the end of the game. Helped secure victory. Helped lead Gonzaga from a two-point lead to like a 10-point lead in a matter of minutes. Outstanding game from Chet Holmgren. Really, really, really needed this performance from him. Nolan Hickman also had a nice night. Uh, seven points on three of six shooting. He had one really dumb, I think it was an alley-oop attempt to Chet Holmgren that was the right idea. I shouldn't say dumb. It was a smart 
decision. It was just a bad pass. It looked like a shot attempt. It bounced off the backboard. Chet kind of didn't really know what to do when the ball was in the air. But other than that, a nice game from Nolan Hickman. He looks comfortable with the basketball in his hands, even when he's facing pressure. For a true freshman to be that comfortable with the basketball in his hands while facing pressure is incredible. Andrew Nembhard had a up and down game. He had a really nice stretch early in the second half that was kind of baffling to me because it looked like he could have been doing that all game, but he was really bad at shooting from the outside. He made a lot of careless mistakes as well, but Hickman's ability to handle that pressure is something he's learned from Andrew Nembhard, who's also good at that. Now these two guys need to figure out, okay, we can handle this, but how do we get through it? How do we get the ball to our big men? That's what they're still not figuring out how to do. Hickman did not have any assists in this game. That's the kind of stuff we need to see them get better at. And then Roz Bolton was outstanding down the stretch. He had back-to-back dunks. He had a nice outside shot. I said Chad Holmgren helped get them out of the, out of the slump that they were in, but really it was, it was Holmgren and Bolton. Both had really, really nice performances down the stretch. Bolton finished with a team-high 17 points. Almost all of them came in the last eight minutes of this contest. Bolton's a guy who's been in a lot of bad basketball games. He has played a lot of grinded-out, ugly, ugly games. He's lost a lot of them, if we're being honest. I think Iowa State went 14-48 and while he was there. So he has dealt with adversity. He has dealt with crappy basketball games like this. He kept his cool. He used his experience, his leadership, his calming presence to help lead Gonzaga to a victory. And I do not, I'm not confident Gonzaga wins this game without him. He was that important to this team. Last thing, Taj Small for Tarleton State. I've been talking a lot about Gonzaga's struggles in this game, justifiably so, but Taj Small was awesome for the Texans. 25.7 boards. All five of Tarleton's made threes came from him. He had an awesome game. I mentioned this on Twitter. This game was reminiscent of the North Dakota game a few years ago when Gonzaga had to win in overtime with a Killian Tilly block in order to secure a victory against a team that probably shouldn't have had any business being competitive with the Zags. And then a year later, Gino Crandall, who was on that roster and played a really good game against the Zags, ended up in a Gonzaga uniform. I don't know that that's going to be the case here, but I'm, I can't lie to you. After watching this game, if Taj Small wanted to transfer to Gonzaga, be a reserve guard off the bench in a year or two, I'd probably take it. He looked flat out awesome in this game. For at stretches, he looked like the best player on the basketball court. And, you know, kudos to him. Kudos to Billy Gillespie and their staff for putting together a really, really good game plan and nearly knocking off uh, the number three team in the country. All right. I don't want to talk about this basketball game anymore, and I don't know that you all want to hear too much more about this basketball game. The Zags got a few days off, which should help get some rest for everybody on the roster, including Caden Perry, who missed this game. It was reportedly at back spasms. I'm not sure everybody was really aware of that because Ben Gregg didn't play and a lot of the other young guys didn't play, so I don't know that Caden Perry would have played, but he was ruled out officially with this game with a lingering back injury. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second segment. But before we get there, though, Let's talk about today's sponsor, NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company all in one convenient location. NetSuite lets you automate your processes and close your books in no time while keeping you ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, 
NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for a special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash NCAA. Today's episode is also brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will too. PrizePix is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but your favorite mid-major players as well. I know that's appealing for your Gonzaga fans out there. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entry, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, segment two, moving away from talking about the Carlton State Texans and the ugly, ugly basketball game that took place on Monday evening in the kennel. The Zags won. That's all that really matters. They're 7-1 on the season, secured themselves a victory ahead of the battle in Seattle in, Al- er, in Seattle against Alabama on Saturday evening. But the Zags were without freshman forward Caden Perry on Monday night. Again, probably not too noticeable for those who did not hear about this ahead of the game because the Zags ran with a tight eight-man rotation. They did not play anybody else in this one. But Perry was limping off the court before the game. He was seen, there was a picture taken by Jim Meehan of the spokesman review of him with two people holding him, kind of carrying him off the court. It wasn't reported exactly what happened. It sounds like it was an injury suffered during just warm-ups. He was just, you know, doing drills on the court and got hurt. Then we found out after the after the warm-up period before the game started that he was going to miss the game with back spasms. Now, Perry, for those of you who might remember this, Perry didn't play the majority of his senior season at Battleground High School because of a back injury. He got hurt. He missed, I think, something like two-thirds of his final season. There was a lot of belief that he would not be ready to play for Gonzaga when the season started. I was very surprised when we watched Craziness in the Kennel and Caden Perry not only participated in the dunk contest, he did not look like somebody who had ever hurt his back in his entire life. He's super bouncy. You all have seen him in the minutes that he has played this year. Hyper energetic young man. Really, really good jumper. Very, very athletic overall. Does not look like somebody dealing with a back injury. But back injuries are really tough. They linger a lot. Anybody who's had back injuries will tell you that they rarely just go away 100% and don't come back. So I was really surprised to see him. I kind of thought, hey, this is a guy who might medically redshirt or not be healthy until the second half of the year. You know, I never really expected him to, to play significant minutes this year just because of the depth in front of him. Then we ended up seeing a guy who looked really good in the exhibition games, started carving out a role, a small role, as the fourth big, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to play in this game. He, he played four minutes against Duke because of foul trouble. We didn't really see him much in the other games outside of, you know, a few spot minutes here and there. It does appear that he is ahead of Ben Gregg on the depth chart for right now. There was kind of some debate of whether they would go with Perry or Gregg or whether they would kind of alternate between the two. For the most part, when the Zags have called upon a big that wasn't Anton Watson or Chet Holmgren or Drew Timmy, they have called on Caden Perry. But now he's he's got this back injury. And Mark Few said during the Mark Few show before the game that it's something that he's been playing through. 
And it's something that he's going to continue to deal with throughout the season. So it's unclear as of right now when I'm speaking to you. By the time you listen to this, there's a chance that we will have a bigger update on Caden Perry. So I apologize if this is already out of date. But I'm under the assumption that he's not going to miss any specific time right now, but he could. Whether it's a week, whether it's a game here or there, whether it's, you know, whether he does end up getting shut down for longer, I don't know. But for right now, he's got a back injury and it's not going away. And I think it's reasonable to expect that he will miss time throughout the season. So what does this mean for the team? Well, in a game like this, nothing. And this was not supposed to be that kind of game. This was supposed to be the kind of game that Caden Perry or Ben Gregg or Hunter Salas or, you know, Matthew Lang or Martinez Orlowskis were going to play a fair amount of minutes. That it did not end up being the case. Alabama, that probably will not be the case. Texas Tech, that probably will not be the case. But the Zags also have Merrimack. They also have Northern Arizona. They also, when they get into conference play, will have Portland and Pepperdine and teams like that. And in those games, these guys, Ben Gregg and Caden Perry, I mean, will play. And if Caden Perry is not healthy, that means we see more of Ben Gregg. Now, in garbage time games, doesn't really matter. The Zags are up by 32 points. Ben Gregg playing 12 minutes when in, normally he'd only play six minutes and Caden Perry would play the other six minutes. Just It just doesn't really matter all that much. It's obviously a bummer for Caden Perry because he's not getting that experience, uh, which sucks because Ben Gregg already has more experience than him having been here for a half season sooner. So he's just kind of falling a little bit farther behind in that situation. But I don't think it's going to hurt the Zags too much. They seem really content to rotate their three bigs all game long. Now, there are some some problems with that. Number one, I already mentioned it in the first segment, Anton Watson fouls people a lot. Andrew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are prone to get in foul trouble as well. This is an issue for this team is that their big men get in foul trouble. They rely on them a lot. And so when they get in foul trouble, they need extra depth. This is why Caden Perry played in both the Duke game and a little bit in the UCLA game. This is why we saw him, because he was coming in as emergency depth because of foul trouble. If he is out for any any games, whether it's one game at a time, whether it's a, a multi-game stretch, that depth is gone. It means Ben Gregg steps into that role. I would like to see more of Ben Gregg. I have been pretty adamant about that. I would have liked to see him a little bit in this game when some of the bigs were really struggling, just to, just to shake things up, just to give another another person out there, a player who's capable of shooting from the outside, like a new face. I'd like to see them try to do that a little bit more. I would love to see Caden Perry in this game if he was healthy. This is not just about Ben Craig. I'd like to see either of them if given the opportunity. What I do think could happen out of this, if Caden Perry misses extended time, when Gonzaga needs to get when they need to change things up, when they need to sit one or two of their big men because of foul trouble, I think we might see lineups similar to the lineup we saw at the very end of this Tarleton State, Tarleton State game, which included Julian Strother playing the four. This was something I talked about a lot in the preseason as a possibility that Strother will end up playing more minutes as the small ball four with either Holmgren or Timmy or Watson as the five, and then a three-guard lineup with you know Bolton and Hickman and Nemhard and potentially Salas all in the mix there. We haven't seen a lot of that this year. I thought we would see more. I thought Julian Strother, especially when he came out of the gate as an elite rebounder, he had, I think, 11 or 12 boards in this game here, he didn't. He had a bad offensive game, but Strother still had like 11 boards. He's a good rebounder, and he can play the small ball four role. That's basically what Corey Kispert was 
last season. A lot of people think of Corey as a three. He was more or less a four because last year, Jalen Suggs, Joel Iyayi, and Andrew Nembhard played together a bunch of minutes. And when those three guys were on the floor and Corey Kisper was also on the floor, he was playing the power forward spot. We haven't seen that from Julian Strother. He's more than capable of playing that role. Obviously, the presence of Chet Holmgren is the reason that he plays more of the traditional three spot. But I'm curious, and Caden Perry's injury a may not be that severe may not be severe may not really limit him that much at all but if it does and even if it doesn't I'd like to see Gonzaga go with more more three guard stuff with Strother playing the four there's there's certain games certain situations where it makes sense you can get out and transition a little bit easier not that Gonzaga's actual bigs really struggle to run the floor but it helps keep the paint a little bit open for more dribble drives potentially there's just some some options they can do that they can't do with the traditional two big sets and we saw it for a tiny bit against Tarleton State. It was it was an effective lineup when it was out there. I'd like to see them try to do it a little bit more as the season goes on. All right, the Zags escaped with a win. The severity of Caden Perry's injury is still unknown. We'll get updates as soon as we possibly can, obviously, on that. So here in the third segment, we're going to pivot completely away from this. We're going to talk about something that I should have been talking about more this season. Haven't found many opportunities to do so. This felt like a good episode to talk about something completely different because dwelling too long on this game is not good for anybody's spirit. So we're going to talk about the women's basketball team, the Lady Zags at Gonzaga. They're off to a great start this season. We're going to break it down, talk about the games that they got coming up and what their season could look like. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Boost Mobile. You listen to your podcast for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all the insights. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all with the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile today and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. The free phone is limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offer and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for more details. This episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. Folks, BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball seasons and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, third segment coming back, switching gears a little bit away from injuries, away from the disturbing performance that we saw from the Zags against Tarleton State on Monday evening. Instead, we're going to talk about Gonzaga's women's basketball program. Fantastic team. They've been good for Basically, as long as the men have been good, haven't quite had the same level of success, certainly, but have been an outstanding program, of course, led by Kelly Grace for a long time, who's now the head coach of the University of Oregon, now led by Coach Lisa Fortier, who's been there for, I think she's in her seventh season, I believe. They've been fantastic under her realm. And once again, that is the case. The Zags are 6-1 and one 
on the season. The recent AP poll that came out on Monday, they picked up seven votes to get into the top 25. So not quite there yet. They remain unranked for now. Uh, the main reason is because while they're 6-1, and one, they don't have a lot of great wins. The teams that they have beat so far, Montana State, Montana, Idaho State, Utah, Eastern Illinois, and Hawaii. Now, those last three victories, Utah, Eastern Illinois, and Hawaii, all came on back-to-back-to-back days. So I'm sorry, the men's team, we're talking about three games in five days and how that might have messed them up. They don't. That's not a good enough excuse <laughs> if the ladies' eggs can rattle off three straight wins in three straight days. That is a fantastic accomplishment. Those were some pretty good teams that they dismantled right there as well. Uh, it's what helped get them a lot of votes uh, in the AP poll. I think there's a very, very, very good chance that this team ends up ranked in short order, potentially as soon as this upcoming week they are playing. Uh, Washington State on December 8th. Washington State picked up a few votes as well. In fact, I think they were they probably would have snuck in except that they got boat raced by the number five team in the country, NC State. Had that not happened to the Cougars, They'd probably be ranked. Gonzaga would pick up a win, hopefully, against a ranked opponent on the 8th, get them back into the AP poll. But I think they'll be there through conference play. Uh, their only loss is to Stanford, number four ranked team in the country. They lost by four points. Another reason I think it's a little surprising that they are not ranked when the only team that beats you uh, is one of the top five teams in the country and you kept it within basically one possession. The entire team now, Gonzaga and Stanford, have always played really close. Some of the best basketball games that have taken place in Spokane have been between the women's basketball teams at Stanford and Gonzaga. That's always a fun game. I remember going to two of them when I was a student. They were both fantastic games. They've had a few since then that were truly, truly epic Really, really fun kind of West Coast rivalry going on there. For those of you who maybe don't pay enough attention to this, uh, that's a, that's always a fun game to mark on the calendar. Uh, the fun thing about this team is they're really, really balanced. And this is something that Coach Fortier has always been really good at kind of developing amongst their team. They never have like one like one player who does all the scoring and they kind of just like funnel the offense through them. That's never really been the way that they've done things. And this team, very, very, very similar. They have the Trong Twins who are excellent excellent guards. Kaylee's averaging 12 points, 3.8 assists. Kyleen, or Kayleen, excuse me, is averaging 11.9 points and 3.3 assists. So they're like within a few points of each other in total points scored and also just a few assists. They're basically putting up the exact same numbers, which is truly remarkable for these two twins. have been in the program for a couple of years now, having fantastic seasons. Uh, Kaylin's shooting 41.5% from three. Kaylee's shooting 37.5%. So they're sharpshooters, really good passers, two leading scorers on this team. Then you have Melody Kempton, the post presence on this roster, 10.6 points, five rebounds, shooting 59% from the field. That is some DeMontis Sabonis stuff right there, some Brandon Clark stuff, 10 and five with 59% from the field. And then they have three other players averaging between eight and nine points per game. That means six players on this roster are averaging between eight and 12 points per game. How do you game plan against that? This is what makes this team so effective is even if they don't have like, you know, the, the roster that some that teams like Stanford and NC State and certainly uh, some of the other really, really South Carolina, really good programs in the country have top to bottom. They don't have the highest rated recruits. You know, they have such a balanced scoring attack and you don't know who's going to have a good game day in and day out. You can't plan to we're going to try to shut that person down. We're going to focus on that person. It's hard to do against this team. They're unselfish with the basketball, a ton of passing. Uh, anybody can get hot at any time. They're a good outside shooting team. They have good interior post players. It's a balanced 
fundamentally sound squad, and it's the kind of the pinnacle of what Coach Fortier has done for the last seven years, taking over from what Coach Kelly Graves did before that. They've always had this similar strategy and kind of ability to execute their offensive sets really well. They're averaging 71.5 points per game, shooting 46.5% from the field, and as a team, shooting 39% from three. Again, really hard to stop if the team's going to knock down 40% of the threes. Beyond that, this is an excellent defensive team. Part of it is because the equality of opponent has not been great, but they are only allowing 55 points per game. That is top 40 nationally. So one of the top 40 de- defenses in the country. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams, teams in the country. They're 6-1 and one on the year. They're only losses to a top five team in the country. I think they should be ranked. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on all 25 teams that are ranked, but this is a dang good basketball team in Spokane. They always are. Their biggest competitor from winning the WCC is, as always, is BYU. BYU is ranked. They're 7-0 on the season. They're number 21. They had a really good week last week. They beat Florida State and West Virginia. At the time, Florida State was ranked number 17. West Virginia was ranked number 22. It is not just in men's basketball that the WCC is taking down good teams. They're doing it in both the men's side and the women's side. Obviously, we're going to talk about it a lot more in tomorrow's episode, WCC Wednesday. But the, on, it's happening on the women's side, too. BYU is fantastic. Gonzaga is fantastic. Two really, really good women's basketball programs. I'm excited to see when they shake out or when what how the game shakes out when they end up facing each other. The Zags got a big one against Washington State on December 8th. I'm excited to see how that game's too. That game goes as well. I'm hoping to give you more updates on the women's basketball team as the season goes on. I have been bad about keeping up with them up to this point in the season. Gonzaga's not going to have too many more weeks where they play three games in a week like they did last week, so we should have a little bit more time, some more segments that are going to potentially free up, and I promise I'm going to try to talk more about this women's basketball team and how they're doing this season because I think it's at the end of the year it's going to be a really nice, nice campaign for Coach Fortier once again in Spokane. All right, that is going to do it for today. The Zags get a few days off, but locked on Zags. We plug along. We're still going. We got an overview of the WCC coming out for Wednesday's episode. As always, we got Andy Locks. On Thursday, I'm a little concerned to hear some of the takes that might come out of that segment after this game against Tarleton State, but hopefully we'll get some some fun discussion out of that. Of course, we're going to preview Alabama for the Friday episode in the battle in Seattle, maybe talk a little bit about Climate Pledge Arena, how fun it's going to be to have the Zags back in the west side of the city or west side of the state playing in Seattle. All of that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. It's, of course, available wherever you get your podcasts. Soon to be available, or excuse me, already available on YouTube. You can hit that up right now. Hit that subscribe button. Trying to get to 200 subscribers before I head up to Seattle for that game against Alabama. Also, you can find the, the links to the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags or on my own Twitter account, which can be found at ScoreZagsScore. Thanks again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!